0: Welcome to Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by assistant sports editor Janie Hugh and sports columnist Ann Killian to break down Golden State's thrilling game one win over the Cavs and to look ahead to game two. So, Ann and Janie, we have a lot to a lot to get through today. Obviously, uh, one of the craziest games I know I've ever covered in my short professional career. Ann and Janie, I'm guessing that that was one of the craziest games you guys have seen as well. Um, just from LeBron James' 51-point outburst to the the fact that it was on the stage that is a Game One of the NBA Finals to the the late mental blunder from. From J.R. Smith to the late uh, reviews by the referees to everything that happened post game with LeBron leaving leaving the stage and and Tyron Lou saying that his team got robbed. I mean, it, it was one of the most chaotic scenes from from opening tip off through well after the final buzzer that I've been a part of. What you what were your guys' big takeaways from last night?
1: Well, I would totally agree. Um, it was so funny that the build-up to this, this series and the, the game one was, uh, boy, this is boring. It's the same old thing that we've seen before from jump. Unbelievably dramatic. You know, Clay going down early, Stephanie with buzzer beater to end the first half. Gramon gets attacked. I mean, all that stuff just happened in the first. The thing about these matchups, when you have all this history, it doesn't matter when it comes down to who's still on the team, what the balance of power is. It, it's all about their history and their their competitive fire and, you know, first series now. I mean, there are all these games that go into into the moment that we saw last night, and that's kind of how it all broke down. I mean, I think... I think that Warriors fans have always been waiting for J.R. Smith to do something completely <laughs> knuckleheaded. And and he did it in the most dramatic way possible. Um, the fact that you on our earlier podcast, Connor, said, I wouldn't be at all surprised if LeBron goes for 50 and the Warriors still win by double digits. You, you obviously have a crystal ball because that's exactly what happened. It was, um, it was great. entertaining. It really was fun.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think I think and you came up with one of our favorite terms for you know, we've been talking about Warriors Cavs Round Four, Episode Four, and what did you call it, the Great Grandson edition?
1: Cavs, Warriors, the (laughs) great-grandson.
2: Exactly. And as much a talk as it was about how the Warriors were so heavily favored, um, in the end, the Cavs, and specifically LeBron James, delivered a fantastic game. Um, I I, I might be in the minority here, but I almost feel chipped out of what the series could have been had the Cavaliers been able to pull this out had J.R. Smith not gone into dunce mode again um, and given the Cavaliers a chance to, to, to take a game, you know, potential game winner at the end there. Um, because it's, it's and you look back, it's almost kind of does this crush the Cavaliers' spirit? They were so close and they did so many things right to have it kind of unravel at the end there.
1: I think that's yeah. crazy though. I think that there's, you know, you think this crushes LeBron's spirit? <laughs> I think just the opposite. I think Braun is going to come out even more determined. I think he's going to score sixty-five <laughs> points on Sunday. You can't stop him. And I think, uh, you know, this this they do feel robbed. Now they're really angry. You know, they totally poked the beast. And I don't. I don't think. Um, I no matter how long the series go goes, I fully expect it to continue to be entertaining.
0: I agree with you. I agree um, that that this is going to be a lot more entertaining than a lot of people thought entering this series, Because largely because, A, Kev- Kevin Love is actually healthy. That was a big question entering the series. He, he was a good customer protocol, and he was not only healthy last night, but he was a big factor. And then, B... LeBron's at the peak of his powers. I mean, the guy's 33 years old, and he's playing better than he did when he was 26, 27. It's unbelievable. The guy is not human. Um, and what some of the things he did last night were indefensible. There were there was no way for, for the Warriors to stop him. Now, that being said, Steve Kerr was just on the conference call moments ago with a reporter and said that he was not happy with their defense on LeBron. There were a bunch of wide-open looks. Guys slow switching off screens. Um, just really, ha- They really had a tough time staying in front of him. And uh, Kevin Durant in particular, who has done a nice job on LeBron in the past, got the majority of defensive reps on LeBron last night, and I thought it was disappointing. Uh, he didn't do a great job on LeBron. And they're, they're going to tweak some things uh, entering game two. Um, the unfortunate thing for them is Andre Wadala is still listed as as doubtful, um, and I, it's almost almost never is a player listed as doubtful and actually plays in the next game. So that doesn't really bode well for the Warriors defensively because Andre is definitely their best defensive option on LeBron, and they could really really use him right now.
1: Agreed, and um, I you know if, if he doesn't play, he will then have from now. Wednesday, so that's what five days. So that might be what they're thinking. They might think that is actually enough time to get Iguadala healthy. Um, the other thing that the Warriors were terrible at was they were just crushed on the board. and uh, and and Kerr said that was a glaring weakness. There were there was a lot of things they did not do well, basic fundamental stuff last night.
2: Right, and yeah, the, One thing biggest... kind of. Sorry there Connor. But I was just jumped
0: say that one one of the things that kind of gets overshadowed by that that JR Smith blunder was the reason he got the rebound in the first place is because Durant who was right in front of him completely did not box out JR and gave him a clear path to the rim to give for him to get that offensive board. That was an inexcusable mistake on Durant's part and if anyone's happy more happy no one can be more happy about the fact that J.R. Smith made that mental mistake than Durant, because if things go a little bit differently, if if J.R. Smith gets a shot up and, and scores right there, everyone's going to be talking about Durant and his monumental mistake
2: right there. Right. And you Connor, exactly. you, you just you just said exactly what I was going to say about the, the, the biggest, uh, you know, Ann mentioned the, they got crushed on the boards. That was the, the biggest um, glaring uh, error there. Kevin Durant not corralling that rebound off the missed free throw. Um, I would say that if you're the Cavaliers on the Cavalier side and you're George Hill, you're pretty happy that J.R. Smith made that mistake too because you had a chance to put the Cavaliers ahead by one with 4.7 seconds left.
1: Although if that happened, I fully expected Steph to come in during a three and win the game. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) With four point seven seconds the game was not over. But it was interesting to me that afterwards the uh Cavaliers really, really, really angry about the reverse call way more than J. R. Smith. Now, I think that's obvious why they have to have J. R. Smith on their team, he's their teammate. And they were very, very angry, and so they were angry at the officials and then later on at the media. But um, I, I, it was interesting. They really felt that that call with, I believe, 34 seconds left really robbed them of the game, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, but I think it was just so unusual to see a call like that reversed that that just made them curious. And LeBron usually gets his way when he's trying to bully officials.
0: Yeah, what'd you guys think of that call? Um, just the fact that they reviewed it in the first place, I thought was weird. A lot of people weren't even familiar with that rule that they could go back and review a judgment call like that. But if you look at if you look at the uh, the replay, he was well out of the circle, and in the last two minute report that just came out moments ago, the league stood stood by that and uh, defended that call. But I don't I don't really understand how they can when their explanation for making that call goes against the eye test so what do you guys think of that entire sequence
2: well i think there were a couple things going on they they were uh, you know if you look at it technically I think that the right call was made, but I, I think what's at stake is, you know, what are the, what are the referees allowed to go back and review? Um, and within that process, so so there was question on whether or not he was, um, you know, outside that uh, that range, right? So they took a look at that, and he he was, but in that in the course of that review, is he in a legal defensive position? And I think that that's what the league came back and said, no, um, you know, it w- he w- he was still moving, or it, you know, it just it. it it seemed odd and there was n- there isn't any um, cl- clarity or consistency over why can they overturn that call versus when they go back and look at other replays, you know, and they find something else wrong. Why can't they, you know, change their ruling?
0: Yeah, and one thing that also came out in the last two minute report was the league ruled that Jermon Green had a lean and violation on that second missed free throw that George Hill missed which adds another wrinkle to this whole thing, Uh, just to kind of twist the dagger, so to speak, in the the proverbial hearts of the Cavs, uh, because that's just another what-if. If If, if the Warriors, you know, if Draymond Green's called for that lane violation, then uh, then George Hill gets another shot. Potentially he makes it. They get the lead. That changes everything right there, again. So the heartbreak is never-ending for this Cavs team right now
1: well and George Hill said he he didn't really sleep last night he just went back and rewatched watched replays after replays I imagine LeBron um after he got really bat- mad at Mark Schwartz and the rest of the media um stormed out in his short pants and, uh, <laughs> and went went back to his hotel room and brooded for a while uh I think I think they're um not that anyone needs motivation in the finals, but the Cavs are are angry and they're mad and they know they got the Warriors. You know they they should have had that game won, and uh, now they're going to feel. I think probably the way that the the Warriors might have felt about the Rockets when they basically gave away game was a game four they gave away. Uh, you know where, where they you know you can't give away a and then still try and, and win four. And just you're 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 ruining your odds. So the fact that uh, they they basically gave away that game um, would have been a win. It just makes their road that much harder. But I do think it's going to really motivate them.
0: Yeah, and kind of going back to your point from earlier, and you know, everyone's saying right now, oh, is this going to crush LeBron? Is this going to crush the Cavs? Is this going to do they have another another punch in them after this? Critical blow that they endured in, in Game One, but if you look at this Cavs team, I mean, look at look at what it took for them to get here. I mean, they went through as much as any team in NBA history that's actually reached the NBA Finals. You know, their the roster was completely turned over before the season even started. They traded, you know, their star point guard who asked basically demanded to be traded. There's all the drama there. There's a bunch of infighting. Their coach leaves midseason to deal with health issues i mean they they at one point in this season were not even sure if they were going to make the playoffs and here they are at the nba Finals. so i don't think anyone should question whether or not they're going to come out inspired in game two and use this as motivation if they've shown anything it's that they can overcome adversity
2: No, and and you're right. This is a team that basically turned over almost half of its roster um, at the trade deadline. Um, So I wasn't saying that they don't have fight in them, and they haven't done a remarkable job um, getting to this point. I just think, you know, look, you you see LeBron is central to everything, and he's been playing out of his mind. But, Connor, you even wrote in your game story uh, last night that, you know, he's still got teammates, and I just think in that moment Mm -hmm. his teammates let him down right at the end.
0: Yeah, and what what do you guys think of the aftermath of of uh, J.R. Smith's mental folly where, you know, in postgame, Tyrone Lute tells the huge horde of media that, uh, that J.R. thought that they were up one, and then later J.R. tells a group of media that he actually knew it was tied and was just trying to... <laughs> dribble the ball to get fouled. Um and you saw- to go back and look at the, the tape, there's actually a moment where he looked at LeBron and said he thought they were up one. And and so what do you think of that entire that entire uh, back and forth?
1: It was more weird, J. R. Smith. He doesn't think that we can see what he's actually already been film saying, or i mean he was just trying to cover his butt you know i think it had sunk in by the time he finally got in that media gaggle and he realized that he had completely lost the game for him and so he was trying to um to backpedal i mean draymond said i thought he was trying to throw it to lebron i would have thrown it to lebron um you know maybe and you know i mean but, but things happen Bad things happen in sports. That's why it's so much fun, you know, you just people make boneheaded plays. It's how many times do we see in baseball where someone tries to run off the field when there's only two outs? You know, they think they've you know, they're they're losing count and they have to keep those counts in their head all the time. But like Draymond said, uh, it's just kind of basketball. You need to know the score. So I, I think I think the way Tyron Lue uh, described it was the accurate way. I think he had no idea what what the score was. He thought they were up. Right, to and, one. and why would Tyron Lue throw car J- under bus.
0: the bus like that? Yeah. unless Jar no. had actually told him that or said that on the court. I mean,
2: uh, Tyronn is not, not going to just
0: assume something like that and then tell everyone in his postgame presser that.
2: Right, and e- okay, even if. And I completely do not believe that J.R. Smith thought that the game was tied and still made that play. Um, but even if he did, it, and then he dribbles it, he didn't. Then he didn't know how much time was left on the clock because he dribbled the ball all the way back out instead of you know trying to find the next guy and and whatnot. And J- Draymond Green made a pretty funny face uh, when uh, the media told him that that's what that J.R. Smith had said uh, that that he knew uh, that he knew the game was tied. So <laughs> I, I don't think Just he believed it kids. either. Yeah. <laughs>
1: is very funny. <laughs> and
0: uh, in his teleconference today, Tyron Lue acknowledged that he did talk to J.R. about that situation. I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the <laughs> wall during that meeting today uh, or last night. Uh, but understandably, Tyronn Lue uh, declined to divulge the details of that conversation. But it's just a—it's an interesting moment in what was honestly one of the craziest games I've ever witnessed to try to distill that game down to 800 something words <laughs> was, on deadline was a, was a challenge. Um, and there's even more fallout today. Uh, we're still not sure if Tristan Thompson is going to, uh, if Tristan Thompson is going to be suspended for game two, we already know that Kevin Love will not be suspended for game two. Um, it looks like, it looks like Klay Thompson's going to be okay. He said he was sore today with his, uh, his leg injury, but that, that he's feeling better and will be fine going forward. So um, what do you think if, if Tristan Thompson can't go for game two? Do you think that's a big deal? Or do you think that's something that that really hurts the Cavs? Or what do you, what do you think of that whole situation?
1: I think it's a big deal because you know what, whatever you think of him, he's still one of their starters, and um, you know we know that their bench isn't that great. That we know they're not a really deep roster, and uh, yeah, I mean he didn't do much last night. Um, in fact, looking at his line, he really didn't do much at all. He had five rebounds um, and two points, but uh, but I still think it. You know, it's just. At this time of year, with everyone banged up, with with uh, everyone exhausted, you take anyone out of the situation, and it's difficult. It's, um, you know, if if the Warriors lost someone uh, again, they, that would be difficult. What whoever it was, I mean, it's just, it's you know, it, this is a war of attrition. The NBA season and the playoff run is so so long that by I mean we're in June. It's June first. So yeah, it would be a big deal if, if they lost him for a game.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. You're throwing off the, the rotations and patterns that, uh, that you've been working on. Um, and I just, I just found that whole sequence at the end just very odd, uh, I guess, like so much of, of, the, of that last uh, minute or so. Um, the original flagrant foul call, the, the quick ejection, it just, uh, you're, you know, going back and looking at it on replays, um, it just didn't seem like the initial act was that significant.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree, and um, you know it, it goes. It also, that whole situation goes to something that Steve has repeated over and over, which is he gives his players strict strict instructions to never have a turnover when you don't need to have a turnover. You know, if, if even if the game's decided, if the clock, shot clock's winding down, take the shot. So it did not surprise me at all that Sean Livingston took that shot. It, Steve Kerr would have gotten on him if he didn't. What surprised me was Tristan Thompson's reaction. I I don't. I understand it's a little different if if the shot clock isn't a factor and it's the end of the game. But when the shot clock is a factor, I don't feel. I don't understand why Tristan Thompson
1: would get so upset in that situation. And the fact that it was Sean Livingston of all people. Like really, you think (laughs) Sean Livingston is the guy who's going to be like showing you up and rubbing (laughs) your face in it? I was like, it was the perfect scenario of. How come how it wasn't showing anyone up? It's, it was Sean Livingston, for goodness' sake. So I mean, yeah. I, I thought, you know, I mean, you know, full disclosure to any listener, at that point of a night, um, Connor and I have our faces in our screens and are trying to bang out our stories. <laughs> so I looked up and I thought the buzzers sounded. I saw everyone like milling around. I was like, is the game over? And then I realized that they were actually, you know, there was. Like a tussle going on, it, it's just uh it, it was the perfect ending to a very bizarre night. and Steph and LeBron jawing at each other—it's just, just wild <laughs> times, very wild. Yeah,
0: but it all—it all just goes back to the point you made in your column last night, which is this is going to be a fun series. This this could end up going down as the most fun four or five game. NBA Finals in NBA history because I still believe that the Warriors are going to win this relatively convincingly that there that this isn't going to go six or seven games, but I have no doubt that there's going to be drama in each of these games. You know, be just because of the history these two teams have, uh, the competitive fire that LeBron has, um, and uh, and the, the fact that. Uh, you know they they have some some real bad will toward each other Um, so I'm looking forward to game two I don't know about you guys
1: absolutely and I think that that was kind of overlooked in the um, in the lead-up that bad history between these teams and and in the regular season as well as in the playoffs. there's a lot of stuff that has gone on between them and and LeBron is, I mean, a lot of people think he's a diva. I think he's a little bit of a diva. But, you know, he he probably has so much pent-up anger about the Warriors and about what they've accomplished just in the greater basketball sense, in the, in the big-picture NBA that they've stolen his moment. You know, he gets overshadowed by them i think it's great there's so there's many threads to pull in in all of this that um I don't think we're going to want for anything to write about, that's for sure.
2: No, if the next few games can be like this, the, it, it, would be, it would be classic. You just hope for if things get chippy, that you know, people really don't go overboard because at the end of the day, you want to see the best players on the court. You don't want to see anyone get thrown out or suspended for something dumb at the end of a game. Um, you want to see LeBron and, and Steph and Draymond and Katie out there competing against each other.
0: That being said, you know, we talked about how LeBron isn't the type to let a loss like this affect his performance in the next game, but being being honest with, with, with ourselves, how do you think he he felt on the podium after game one when he just had a really historic performance? Um, and one of the, his greatest performances on this stage ever, and... For, for it to go to waste like that. How how do you think he was feeling in that moment?
1: Well and all he was being asked about was J.R. Smith being a knucklehead. So <laughs> I, think, I think he I didn't I don't think he felt very good about that. We saw that the way he kinda of stormed off. Um he was, you know, I would agree that maybe there was one two mentions about him trying to read J. R. Smith's mind, which, you know, we, we can't really do, but um I, I think he was, yeah, I think it was an incredible performance. And um, instead we're talking about, you know, a foul and a brain fart. And, and no one's really, in fact, did anyone really ask him about his 51 points? I don't even think so. I think it all came down to these other things. <laughs> right. So it was, um, yeah, he's, he's uh, definitely, uh, he's coming in with a chip on Sunday, that's for sure.
2: Uh, agreed a thousand percent
1: <laughs>
0: and so uh kind of kind of looking ahead to game two real quick um what do you think are the big adjustments that the warriors need to make and you know do you what if you're Steve Kerr right now what are you telling the team?
1: they can't let lebron score 51 points so they got to figure out some way to defend him and i don't really know what that's going to be because what they did didn't work um and I think they've really gotta be aggressive on the boards. Like he said in today's conference call, Kurt said it was a glaring, glaring uh problem how bad they were uh, rebounding. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um in general they were much better with the ball than they were against Houston. They only had eight turnovers. Uh they had a ton of assists.
0: Uh in and, and and to kinda to kinda build off that, one one thing that I'm kinda curious about is can Durant be the Durant we're used to seeing? He hasn't really been himself for, I want to say, two weeks now. I mean, the the final three or four games of the Western Conference Finals, he he seemed a little timid at times. He seemed uh, he seemed a little bit out of rhythm. I'm not totally sure why that is. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that he got so much flack earlier in the Conference Finals for. Giving into so many ISIS situations and not really give and not really playing the team-oriented brand of basketball the Warriors want to play, but he he was he was off his game on offense and defense last night. He had another bad fourth quarter last night. We already talked about that blown uh, that blown box out on J.R. Smith late in regulation. Um, but he was also pretty pretty poor defensively on on LeBron, a guy who if you remember, he did a great job on him in that Christmas Day game. Uh, at Oracle Arena so there was reason to believe that he he could fill in for Iguodala pretty admirable pretty admirably but he just didn't do that last night so I want to see if you're Steve Kerr you want to see him get back to the player that we are, all know that he can be
1: yeah and at times he kind of he seemed to kind of space out at certain times and just not be fully engaged I mean he he would have been if if they ended up losing last night. Uh, he would have been feeling the brunt of it. I mean, he shot eight for twenty-two, one for seven from the three-point line, um, and you could almost start to hear the crowd groan a little bit when he would pull up and, and take a shot. You know, without passing the ball around, and and it would clang off the rim, and you could just kind of hear the beginnings of some of some disgruntlement in the crowd. So. I don't know what they do. Um, I think he's one of those guys that he doesn't really, I don't know if he responds well to criticism. Um, this might be a job for Draymond. Draymond seems to be the one guy who can really get him going. You know, he did that in the New Orleans series when he, like, texted him. Maybe maybe there was a 4 a.m. text last night. Uh, but he really needs to, to get going because he is one of the greatest players in the world. And, and I think he wants to be on – you know He won't be on the same level as LeBron, but he wants to be really close to that. And um, that might be part of it, too. He might be feeling that kind of like head-to-head LeBron pressure. Um, but he's just got to go out and play his game.
0: I agree. Well, it's going to it's gonna be fun fun uh, game, too. I have no doubt this is going to be a fun series going forward. Uh, definitely stay locked and loaded for, to sfchronicle.com and sfgate.com for all of our Warriors coverage come game, come game three and four. Ann and I will be out there in Cleveland with our colleague Scott Osler, and we'll be sure to, to keep up uh, these, these Warriors off-courts as much as possible. So uh, please uh, stay, stay with us throughout this finals run. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron, Janie underscore Hugh, and at Ang Killian. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, and if you have some time, give us some feedback.